This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Power Breakfast with TT. Weekdays 6 to 9 a.m. on Power 98.7. So 18 minutes after uh, 8, it is on the Power Breakfast. So um, there recently a group of South Africans traveled uh, to Israel at the invitation of the Israeli government by all indications. One of those was a Howard Feltman, who is a writer, commentator, and a radio broadcaster um, with the uh, Chai FM. I hope that's how you pronounce it, Chai FM. And he also writes for the South African Jewish Report. Uh, he has returned, he just recently returned from this trip. Uh, the itinerary included meetings with South Africans that are living there, one of them who was a hostage that had been held by for a period by uh, Hamas, uh, Israeli government. He also met with Israeli government of officials, um, communities where um, some that also came under attack on the 7th of October and displaced Israeli war refugees. Uh, he um, he was also he also says with the media focus primarily. Uh, on the situation in Gaza, he felt that he needed to understand what the impact the war was having on Israelis and, and on Israel and its citizens. And just to add once again, as you as I mentioned, that he writes for the Jewish Report, uh, Howard Feldman is himself a Jewish uh, South African and has family living in Israel. We I had a chat with him because he is on the radio right now on Chai FM. So I had a chat with him uh, yesterday. Maybe let me just start, uh, just give us a bit of background in terms of the trip, how the trip uh, came about, uh, or what your interest was in traveling um, to Israel. Okay, so I have been covering the story quite closely since the 7th of October. And what I was finding was that I was very closely connected to it. We have family there. I am Jewish, so I'm connected to to community. But I didn't really have a sense of what was happening on the ground. I heard about a group going. Um, they were going last week for, for about six days. And I decided to join the group. That uh, that uh, and, and, and part of the reason is it, it's quite difficult to organize. Because if you really want to go down to the what they call the Gaza envelope and you want to talk to people who have experienced the day and get a real sense of it you you have to you have to have it arranged because obviously it's still a zone that is quite militarized i also didn't i also felt a bit uncomfortable because i felt like there was a almost a voyeuristic aspect to it i'm going to go and look at people's homes that have been destroyed and lives that have been turned upside down so i went with a a group that that had already that that had uh, organized this so i joined this group and and i went to israel for for six days and what it was was exactly that where we spent a couple of days in the south trying to understand what happened and I was very nervous because even as a Jew who lost family in the Holocaust, my great-grandparents, etc., I've never been 
to Auschwitz or Poland because I just felt very uh, nervous about it, very anxious about it, and I just thought it would be too much. And here I was going on this trip that, in fact, was was fresh. It was almost it was very immediate, you know. So when you walk through a kibbutz and you see a child's toy on 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 the patio or a, the, the stoop, whatever it is, mm. and you see a flip flop as somebody's been, it it's very immediate and it evokes really very very difficult things. So it it, it was a very difficult trip. It gave me a set. It gave me a very different sense, actually, of what I thought it was. And 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 if you if if you don't mind me just explaining, I, I thought of it as a terror attack. And Israel has, for whatever reason, and I don't actually understand the reason, they've characterized it as a terror attack. When you go down there you and you speak to people, you find out that were, there were about 60 sites hit at the same time. There were 3,000 uh, Hamas combatants that came across. This is obviously according to, 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 to Israel numbers. A lot of it has is verified, some of it isn't. But I'm just telling you what, 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 um, I, mm. uh, well, what we were told. To me, that's more of an invasion. Now, maybe Israel doesn't use the word invasion because there's a morale aspect to it. I don't know because, uh, but in my mind, that's what that's what this was, and and it it gave me just a very very different sense of the magnitude of it. And if I can use the word success in inverted commas, uh, that Hamas had on on that day, I didn't realize as well how back-footed Israel was. Israel was totally unprepared for this. Why that would be, I don't know. I, I, mm. I can guess a number of reasons, but they were totally, totally uh, taken by surprise. I spoke to one um, army uh, general who told me how he drove, he just had a feeling that this was, the sirens weren't stopping, so he thought it was more, and he was driving down there, and he started to see what was happening. I spoke to a rescue unit of, of the helicopters, who only had two helicopters, rescue heli helicopters on that day, and they had to decide where to send them, but they didn't even know where to go. You know, so it it it, it was almost unfathomable to me um, what that day must have been. And when you speak to people there, it was almost like it was therapy. Everybody I spoke to told the story of that day, and it was it was quite quite uh, shocking in terms mm. of of that side of it. So. What was the sense that you got? I mean, are you saying it was some kind of a, um, maybe therapeutic, cathartic, or cathartic mm. experience for them to talk about? What is your sense of people um, that you got in terms of how people are putting their lives back together? Is there the places, the kibbutz that you visited, yeah. are they so, back so, to normality? Or no, no, not at all. So they haven't moved back. They haven't moved back. And in fact, I asked the guy, who a guy by the name of Keith Isaacson, who who is one of the heads of security in the region, and it was so interesting what he said. I said to him, how do you make people feel secure enough to move back? And his answer was, we remove the word feel, because they felt secure. They have to actually be secure. And I thought that was very interesting. That, again, talks to the fact that they were living in a little bit of an illusion down there, that, that they thought they were secure. I didn't realize, for example, that nobody in those kibbutzim had guns. The guns were kept in the armory. 
So when I spoke to a guy that was telling me that when this was happening, he had to duck bullets in order to get to the armory to get to retrieve his gun in order to defend his kibbutz. At the one of the kibbutzim, I think it was Kfar Aza, where the Hamas anticipated this and surrounded the armory. And so when the guys started running to come and get their weapons, they were mowed down, almost like a killing field. So that was the level of sophistication that Hamas had in in how they planned this and how they they understood what where Israel was and Israel I think was incredibly complacent um, you know they've got this incredible uh, network of a military network which you can see has geared up I think it's a very different story now uh, but but at the time, it was. It, it, I think they were very complacent, and no, people haven't moved back yet. Back yet, they're trying to rebuild. Look, the a lot of those areas are destroyed. We walked through Kfar Aza, and every shell and house is burnt out. And I spoke to the legal counsel for the for the kibbutz, and he said they don't even know what they haven't even decided what to do. Nobody wants to live in Auschwitz, so they so do they destroy everything and rebuild? Do they leave one or two houses as a memorial? Do they build a memorial separately? It, these are the things that they're dealing with. And, and, and you know, and obviously that's on this side of that side of the border. What's going to happen on the Gaza side is, is exactly right, the same thing, because they're also destroyed. Places are destroyed, so it's 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 a, it was tragic. It 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 really was a and no matter which side of it you stand, I happen to be a Jew. I'm supporting supportive of Israel, but you you see this 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 tragedy on both sides. Mm. It it's devastating, really so, devastating. Yeah, um, I, I want to come back to um, you know what you were just saying now about your. Uh, yourself being Jewish and therefore supporting Israel. But I wanted to get yeah. a sense, what is the overriding um, uh, feeling right now? What is uh, occupying people's minds? I know that a lot of the reporting coming out of Israel says that uh, people want the hostages back and that is their yes. main preoccupation. Um, yes. Beyond that, what else was the kind of feeling that you got in terms so, of what's occupying people's minds? So I think that that is first and foremost, and that's a bit of a difference, by the way. So some people will say, destroy Hamas and get the hostages back. Others are saying, get the hostages back first as the priority. But but mostly that is what's occupying people's minds. I think the the I think that would be the most important thing. Then understanding how it happened and why it happened. There is a very very, I think, widespread. Um, I mean, dissatisfaction doesn't even do it justice. Contempt, actually, I think, for Netanyahu. People are very, very angry with him because he sold them the security ticket. Um, so I think the, the, the I think what they're trying to, I think all they're trying to do is rebuild their lives. I think they're in a process of mourning, um, and and they, it won't be complete. They won't be able to deal with anything until they get their hostages back. Look, I spoke to um, a an ex-South African whose son is a hostage there, and he, it's it's the most horrific thing to speak to somebody who who doesn't know if their son is alive or dead. You know, it, it's it's just they have no idea, and it's that's all that they can think of. So I think the hostages are pre, the preoccupation, um, keeping safe. 
making sure that it doesn't happen again is is i guess the second the the second uh, the second issue how much um of what is happening in the palestinian territories are mm. uh, ordinary israelis as you exp- as you interacted with mm. how much of that are they exposed to because speaking to a journalist who is based in jerusalem recently i got the yes. sense that they um there is a limited access to what is happening there uh, apart from people who have direct access to th- uh, you know to cnn and other right. international news so, networks right so israel is is very open in terms of of news there's very few uh, there's very limit there's it, it, it's not really limited they have access to all the news but you still don't get a sense of what is happening there we the closest we could get was to the site of the nova music festival where that massacre took place and you stand there and you hear the explosions it's very unnerving because it's so close you know it's a tiny place so so you hear it it's very much on your mind there but but i don't think people really know what is going on across into 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 Gaza, for example. Um, I don't think they have that sense. You know, they, they get updates from the army, but I, I didn't get the sense that you, I didn't get any closer to information being there than being here. About and, the Gaza side, the right. Israel side for sure, I did. You know, like when, when people, when the language that is uh, spoken is of... Uh, you know, crushing or destroying Hamas and mm, all of that. Mm, mm, I wonder mm. to what extent people would even have room to even have a sense of uh, empathy about what is going on or even care really about what is happening if all they want is Hamas crushed and they want their pa- the hostages back. I-, I think you might be right, but there is a very clear view that Hamas isn't, not every Palestinian is Hamas and that the Palestinians and particularly the Gazans have been as oppressed by Hamas as anybody else has been. So the, the Israelis know that, but maybe because of their list of their priorities, which is right now that they're, that they're missing hostages, um, maybe it's not the you know top of mind. But I do think there is an understanding that that Gazans are not Hamas. And in fact, I asked the general that because I wanted to see what his answer was. I just wanted to see if, uh, you know, how he, we, we had a meeting and it was, we were very privileged to have this discussion and made us leave our phones outside. And I knew he wouldn't give me an answer. Well, I wasn't sure, but I wanted to see how he answered the question. And I said, do you see a difference between regular Gazans and Hamas? And he said to me, I don't even understand the question. Like, what are you asking me? I said, is everybody in Gaza Hamas? And I knew I was being a bit, a bit uh, provocative, but he didn't know where I was, what I was coming mm. from. And he, he said, absolutely not. Like, what, what a crazy qu- Like, you know, like I'm out of, you're out of your mind kind mm. of a question. Mm. So I was pleased with that answer because, I, it, 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 you know, here's a, an army general. He mm. could have given me a very different answer. So I think there is a genuine understanding. I do think that 
that that look i hope the way forward is 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 something positive mm. uh, I, but i didn't feel o- mm. overly hopeful because it's 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 a sad place it's a sad place i can tell you on both sides of the border uh, you know i think our media here often portrays uh, israelis as as blood lustful hung- they're not they're devastated you see and, mm. and you know, sorry, mm. carry on. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, you see, just to that point about how we perceive, how South Africans or people on the outside of yes. uh, the rest of the world, not just South Africa, yeah, perceive yeah. Um, Israelis. Um, I think that is based largely on the fact that often, and this is something that I heard you also saying, that, you know, you are Jewish and, uh, you know, you almost, uh, um, uh, as if by saying that you're Jewish also, that means that automatically you have to be um, a supporter of Israel, and I think that there's a perception now that exists in the rest mm, of the world mm. that uh, Israelis do not draw, or Jewish people do not draw a distinction yes. between the Jewish faith or Jewish mm. culture and the Israeli government and Zionism um, so as a political you, concept. Yeah. Okay. So I'll tell you that that it's it's an interesting one. The the first of all, Israelis are very critical of. Israel themselves. I don't know if you saw the news on Saturday evening. There was a massive march in Tel Aviv yes. um, against Netanyahu and the government. Israelis are very vocal. They're very critical of Israel. I, for years, have been very critical of Netanyahu and his right-wing government. I think that he's, he's included people there. In fact, I tweeted when he came to power, I tweeted at the time, I hope he can control the tiger that he's, he's, he's come in on. And I don't believe he can. You've got Ben Gvir, you've got Smotrich. These are, are uh, it's rude to say, but right-wing lunatics who shouldn't be in government. And, 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 it, and I'm very critical of that. I'm not critical of, so when I say that I'm Jewish, I believe in the right to a Jewish homeland. I can tell you that I believe very strongly that the Palestinians need a, a homeland too. I believe very strongly in a two-state solution. How to get there, I have to tell you, I didn't come back with with a lot of answers. But mm. So when I'm saying I'm Jewish and I'm supportive of Israel, I'm supportive of the fact that Jews have a right to self-determination. Mm. In our prayers, we pray towards Jerusalem. We, we, we pray for the rebuilding of Jerusalem. It, it's absolutely part of our culture. Every part of, of our faith is connected, not every, most parts of our faith is connected to Israel. Mm. So... I believe in that concept, but I don't. It doesn't mean at the exclusion of anybody else. And I think that's really maybe, you know, a a distinction, which, you know. You know, the two state solution seems to be the consensus amongst the. uh, most uh, commentators on Israel, mm, uh, mm. I don't know why, to what extent that is. Well, when you listen to Netanyahu, he clearly is opposed to it. I don't know what the general sentiment of Israelis is. But I want, yeah. to, I want to get a perspective from you as a, mm-hmm. uh, a Jewish South African uh, right. who has, I would, I would hope, a grasp of what apartheid was all about. <laughs> and yeah. why... Why is it that the solution to South Africa was for a unitary state, um, not a state where we have yeah, some yeah, kind of a question. folk start or some kind of a, yes. a, a republic for white people and then uh, have a, a separate a republic? For, yes. Why is it that Israelis and okay. uh, Palestinians so, cannot coexist the way they did in history? 
Right, okay. So first of all, just to, um, I, I, I landed up at university at, in 1987. I was part of the, the anti-apartheid movement. I was on the law student, the first non-racial law student council. We fought for it here. So, so I do have an understanding um, of, of, of what this is about. I think the difference there is as follows, is within Israel, the the um, Israeli Arabs have 100% the same rights as Israelis, as Jewish Israelis. There's no distinction between the two. So the concept of apartheid, of Israel apartheid within Israel is a complete misnomer. There is no difference. There's fully 100% the right to vote. There's no um, distinction between Jews and and non-Jews in, in Israel itself. I think the idea is that, that because of um, Jewish and Palestinian um, maybe self-determination, both want to recognize that they can form a state in their own fashion in their own along their own lines so maybe because you've got a situation you see in south africa it was never a religious thing and 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 color was something that was forced upon us religion is a little bit different because you know you've got you do have fundamental differences and maybe that maybe that's where it comes from um, I think it's more about self-determination, that, that Palestinians want something to call their own, and, and I hear it, same as Israelis do. And, and you know, in, the, in 1947, that was what the UN plan, the United Nations plan, uh, uh, actually gave. It was a Jewish state and, a, and, and an Arab state. And uh, it... it it in theory can go back to it. I, I think it is a little bit different because of religion um, versus color, which is a bit of a and race, which is much more of a fiction. You know, that's something that's sort well, of imposed on us. Mm. Well, as a South African uh, Jewish person, you, uh, I'm not sure what area you live in uh, in Johannesburg, but uh, uh, if you live in Houghton, for example. You live ne- uh, next door yes. to Muslims, so religion and, cannot and say, be cannot the, be this yes, great device of You're right. You're right. So, and in truth, I always say that because uh, on the streets of South Africa, we don't feel I, I've never experienced anti-Semitism on the streets. So yes, apparently there's a greater rise in anti-Semitism, and I'm called all sorts of names on on social media online. But in the streets, I, I never feel it. No matter whether um, it's a, you know, no matter who, you 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 just don't feel it, and we do get on here. Um, maybe there it is a bit different. Uh, the, the the other problem is that because of the um, UNRWA and the right of return, what will happen is that, and maybe that's what Israelis are afraid of, or maybe that's what everybody is, is that you'll have people flooding in to Israel in the millions to determine the, the very nature of the state. Mm. And that, and that sounds, could be an issue. That sounds a little bit like the kind of... Um, uh, thinking and reasoning that brought brought about something called the laws that the influx control laws. You know the no, no, idea no, of protecting uh, yes. some kind of yes. the the fear that uh, you know the Israeli Jewish population will be overrun by Arabs. I mean, even if that were the right. case, white South Africans are now in, in inverted commas overrun by black people. That does not uh, terminate their right to exist. Correct. 
correct. So listen, I, I, thankfully, I don't have the the job of finding the way forward. I've I've always I've always believed in in the right of self determination of both people, mm. and and um, you know maybe there's a better way. I, if there is a better way, I'd be very happy as long as people could live in peace and stop killing each other. Uh, but uh, but unfortunately, mm. uh, right now with the way in which Hamas, which is genocidal and has does uh, you know talk about the fact that they will commit October the seventh again and again, and uh, you know talks so talking about making sure no Jew lives in Israel. That doesn't give anybody any confidence. It's certainly not going to give Israelis and Jews any confidence when Hamas themselves mm. are saying that that no Jew has a right to live in Israel. So that's you, that's part mm. of the problem. Do you accept, you use the word genocidal, you know, to describe Hamas. Are you willing to accept uh, as well the kind of framing that came out of the ICJ right right, uh, recently that suggests that uh, there is enough um, evidence to suggest that uh, the conduct of the the way that uh, Israel is conducting uh, um, uh, uh, these operations or this war, however they define it, uh, um, has got uh, the hallmarks of the, uh, of a genocide, given the fact that it is a targeted at a, at, a, at a grouping of people. I'm just trying to say that this kind of extremism exists mm-hmm. on both sides. In fact, the IDF, um, you know, in the way that they have carried out these operations, uh, I I don't see. I struggle to see the difference between that. They might say that they are reacting, you know, um, in or acting in self-defense. But, uh, you know, the end cannot justify the means. So I'll tell you part of the problem with it is that we also know that Hamas have embedded themselves in civilians, in civilian targets. And we know that that they are shooting rockets from schools and mosques and hospitals. So it makes it an enormously difficult task because Hamas doesn't particularly, I mean, they've built all of these tunnels under Gaza, but haven't allowed Gazans to go there because it's only for Hamas. They could have been protected from it. So my, my concern is that that it will all come out as to mm. how bad it was or wasn't. But you don't, you aren't dealing with, and, and I know the way in which it's framed in specifically in South Africa, that there's almost this, this equivalence between the IDF and, and Hamas. But I, I don't see it, and I, I don't believe it, because I understand that Hamas doesn't value the Gazans. You've got to, if you, st- if you, you see that, that the Gazans are as much victims of Hamas, then you, try, then you can start to understand that they don't care if, if innocent civilians are killed. And in fact, quite the contrary, mm. it, it works for them. Because it does help their narrative, and and that's part of that's part of the problem. Are you willing to um, accept uh, the fact that uh, um, you know the views that you hold are very much uh, um, coming through um, Israeli le- an Israeli lens? I mean, even the kind yes, of, of language course. that you use is yes, uh, yeah. Of 
You, I, I accept that 100%. And mm. in fact, I was on a, another interview and I, I did, and that's specifically why I even said this to you mm. towards the beginning. I think it is important. I think we all have to acknowledge that, I, I mean, we hate the word bias, but whether we like it or not, we do come at things from from a position mm. of bias, depending on the mm. on the lens that we see it through. I'm, I'm very, very self-aware mm. um, in terms of that. And of course, that could cloud my perspective. I do try, but mm. it doesn't mean that I succeed. And sure. I'm pretty sure that many, a lot of the times I don't. Mm. But but I, oh yes, certainly I accept that, a thousand percent. The article that you wrote in News 24 indicates that uh, you you did not uh, get to, um, I don't know whether it was your um, your intention at all to try and visit the um, Palestinian territories, uh, whether that would have been, even been allowed or would have been possible so, at all. Yeah. Yeah, so it it wasn't allowed. Um, we couldn't go to Gaza, and and as I said in the beginning, I was on a trip that was organised. But that said, we did speak with a lot of um, Israeli Arabs, and that was that was some of the perspective that I found very helpful. Uh, that where you know we spoke to a taxi driver who saved thirty kids from the Nova Music Festival, a Bedouin guy, and it was incredible to chat to him, to how he he sort of took the back roads of the desert because he knew them well and he could manage to save and he could manage to save mm. he, he got 30 people into his van he was being shot at so so we spoke to quite a number of um israeli um, israeli arabs but i didn't go look the country's very tense it's very very tense so they're very nervous especially they don't want foreigners caught up in in anything you know that's that's particularly that that really could end badly so no we weren't able to do that and uh yeah, uh, yeah. how do you then based since you are then in that case you are just like the rest of us having had to depend on uh, in uh, news reports yeah. coming out of the uh, by the international networks how do you process and digest the images that you see coming out of uh, um, Gaza? So the first thing I do, by the way, is I, is I try to make sure that what I'm seeing, and, and I've been doing this for years, so I have a sense of what is real and what isn't real. Uh, the, the, that's the first thing, is to verify that it's in fact legitimate and current. Uh, that, that's the first thing. If it is, then... Look, these images are terrible. You know, images of war are absolutely horrific, and and it's very, very hard to it's it's very hard to see human human suffering. That said, I also and maybe it's my perspective again, but I know that that if Hamas could Hamas hasn't re- hasn't returned the hostages, they could. And and it would change the dynamic of this war. There wouldn't be Israeli support for a war, I think, if those hostages were back. In fact, I have no doubt in yeah. my mind that, you know, so so it's, it's very hard. That's what goes through my mind. Mm. I see the tragedy of it. And I think, you know, why is this happening? It doesn't need to happen. Mm. So, you do accept as well that the yes. conflict did not begin um, in October last year. That sure. uh, this there is a, a, a quite yes, clear context. Of course, of course there is. That, that there of is a context, there. and that there will continue to be a context post when even when the 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 fighting does stop, when the bombs do stop, um, that there will still be uh, a context, that a very specific context that needs to be dealt with 
um, the mm-hmm. lot of the Palestinians. And this is why I'm also curious how Israelis um, think that this, the way in which um, the Israeli government is uh, opted to deal with this, um, rightly or wrongly, how they think that will secure some kind of a lasting peace in, or somehow secure their, 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 or give them an additional security or an added a sense of uh, security post all of this? So I think that's, that's a very important question because unfortunately the way Israelis see it, see it is as follows, is that in 2005, Israel moved out of Gaza completely. They handed it over to... Um, to the Gazans. In 2007, I think it was, Hamas comes to power. It starts using the the aid, the billions of dollars of aid towards um, military expansion and uh, war, and then then they fire rockets. And that's not something that we see in our news here reported because it's just more rockets being fired at Israel. And this has been going on for years. So, and then... October the 7th happens where Israel is caught completely uh, caught sleeping and this kind of uh, massacre takes place. So my worry with this is how then do you get Israelis to say we we want to move forward in peace. So you're right that of course it didn't start on October the 7th, but it's 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 on both sides that it didn't. And how, how do we ever, that's in truth one of my main disappointments with the South African government is we've got so much wisdom and experience in this regard. And I feel like uh, Durko has blown an opportunity to do real good in the world. Uh, instead of, and I know so many South Africans support, of course, the the International Court of Justice motion. I, I get that. But actually, at the end of the day, it's not going to do anything to bring Israelis and Palestinians closer, which the South African government could could have done, but uh, unfortunately have lost that opportunity. It's another whole conversation, but it's... it's um, it's, it, it is a worry for me that this has moved people further away from peace rather than closer to it. Yes, um, indeed. Um, uh, that, that, that is the sense that one gets uh, from here. Um, you know, the, just um, as a, as a um, I mean, a final point on this, uh, sure. in, in, on this one is that, as you say, um, I don't think that the, the main preoccupation at the moment um, for Israelis is to get uh, the host the hostages that are currently being held back. What happens the day after the hostages come back from an Israeli point of view in Israel? It is clear that people will demand answers of Netanyahu. He is unlike from where we where I my observation is unlikely to to survive all of this. Um, but. Has this, you know, one would always think that these catastrophic kind of events would lead to a reframing uh, of, um, you know, the way people things have done. That uh, carrying on doing things the way it has been done has, can surely not work. Is there any kind of sense amongst the Israelis that you interacted with that uh, there needs to be a new way found? That they have tried um, the route that they have tried. It has not been successful. The route of trying to crush Hamas and destroy Hamas, uh, it is not a mission that they are going to succeed at. So is there a sense that, uh, you know, a new 
a new path has to be found? Such a great question, and I don't know the answer because I want to say yes, hell yes, but that's my own desire. Mm. Did I get that sense there? I don't think they're ready for it. Maybe that's the answer. Is they're mm. so preoccupied with with the loss, and uh, as I said, it's like it was like visiting a house in mourning. Um, so I don't. The, the answer is I would love it to be yes. I don't know. I didn't get the sense that it is, but perhaps it's just because they're not there yet. I'd love to have the conversation again, um, and you know, once once that is the case, and we could you know see see what happens. But um, I would love it to be the answer. I would love nothing more than that would be the answer that that we that that everybody recognizes that this isn't the way forward, and there has to be a new path. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Howard, for talking to us. Uh, I appreciate you. y- your time. And thanks thank so much for sharing. Much. Yeah, My pleasure. Be well. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.